Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Welcome to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel, and today we're talking with Marie Rose Fon Lee, author, award-winning filmmaker, and healer. Marie Rose released her memoir, Talking Story, One Woman's Quest to Preserve Ancient Spiritual and Healing Traditions, and her film of the same name, available now on Amazon.com. Marie Rose, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. No problem. In, in the earliest portion of your book, you sort of talk about learning from your teacher with whom you were living with, and things ended up taking sort of a bad turn. Maybe you could share with our listeners what happened. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's amazing. I did learn a lot with that teacher, um, but something started happening where uh, there was an identity theft issue going on where, you know, things were being purchased with my credit card and uh, unbeknownst to me and um of course when i discovered that it was it was completely devastating um but as i've i've gone around traveling with my book and have shared about this event I've, it turns out that many people have suffered from a betrayal from a teacher so at first i was a bit um reluctant to to put that out to the public but so many people have said thank you for sharing that because there's so much shame and embarrassment involved with that kind of thing and um so i'm glad that uh, not only did I learn from that experience, but other people have felt that they've benefited from my sharing it. Well, and I think, too, it's really important to speak up because it is fairly common with many people. You know, it happens in every industry from yoga to healing. And and I think people are really disenchanted after the fact. And I think there's so much we can learn from the process you know, the negative and the positive. How did you handle leaving someone you had considered a mentor that you felt was so influential up to this point? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, uh, I don't know, when I, I care deeply for someone, I always give them the benefit of the doubt. So even though after I found out this kind of devastating thing happening, I uh, I actually went and talked to her and said, can we have an honest conversation? What happened here? Why you know, is there something I missed? And even just trying to give somebody the opportunity to explain themselves, and her response was, you know, don't worry, I'll take care of it. Not, I'm sorry, not, I shouldn't have done it. So that's when I, you, that's when I knew, okay, then this conversation isn't going to go where I'd like it to go, which is, you mm-hmm. know, can we, what can we do to get to a place of understanding? <clears throat> because my understanding quickly became, well, she kind of doesn't care <laughs> you know, about about my part of it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's something that's something you learn, you know, because we're on the spiritual path. We want to be transparent. We want to have honest conversation. 
But at some point, you kind of have to realize if you're the only one that's having the honest conversation part of it, and then it doesn't work so well. <laughs> well, yeah, and you, you know, I think it was really beautiful because you wrote, I had to lose my sense of who I was or thought I was supposed to be in order to connect with my authentic self. And that's really something I think many spiritual seekers have to experience. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And, and to me, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a daily practice to, to balance this, this um, concept of the self. So, of course, uh, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I don't have a, a personality. I have a very strong one, indeed. Um, is that who I am? It's a part of who I am. But when we begin to put ourselves in boxes and, and define ourselves by just what's happening here in the material world, we, we actually lose this opportunity to experience a, a larger part of ourselves. So, <clears throat> you know, that was the gift to me that I lost everything externally and I lost someone that I, you know, was very deeply connected to. But in that, I had to kind of think, okay, what's left? You know, what's left after the mm-hmm. four walls fall down? Um, and, and that has been a great gift to me because since then, of course, there's life and Things go up and things go down and people disappoint you and people love you and you have happiness and you have sadness and this idea of being connected to the authentic self is what gets you through it all because that's that's the foundation that's left standing when everything else is gone. Absolutely. When you began filming and then writing the memoir, Talking Story, in what ways do you feel it provided healing for you? Well, at first it was actually pretty surface in that it gave me uh, something to focus on, you know, to have a project, to have the structure of a project, to have the goals of a project, um, kind of help me not just kind of be floating in, in this chasm of darkness and grief. And, and in, that, in, the, in the short term, that's the first thing it did. But then, of course, you know, going through and, and meeting these people whose job it is to, to, um, to I would say, reduce suffering, um, you can't help but but benefit from that, even though at the time I thought I was going to do a traditional documentary where I would hide behind the camera and just ask questions. But um, as I began this journey, many of them pulled me out from behind the camera and engaged with me as a human, not as a filmmaker and not there being a subject of my film. And because of who they are and what their commitment is in, in helping others, I receive healing just on the journey. And and that was, I don't know why that was a surprise to me, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, you're listening to Literary Speaking with Crystal E. Quibble, and today we're talking with Marie Rose, author and award-winning filmmaker of Talking Story, One Woman's Quest to Preserve Ancient Spiritual and Healing Traditions. When we return, we'll discuss Marie's writing practice and what she learned through the process of producing her book and her documentary. Tweet with us at Writer Crystal. We'll be right back. Your story is begging to be told, but do you know where to start? Crystal Lee Quibell is dedicated to helping you achieve your book publishing dreams. Go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com, and sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter today. Welcome back to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal E. Quibble, and today we're continuing our conversation with filmmaker, author, and healer, Marie Rose Fonley. Marie, when you filmed the documentary, you met some pretty amazing healers. You even had this sort of out-of-body experience. What was it like mm-hmm. for you to sort of 
watch back the footage and later, you know, write about it? Well, the the footage of the experiences with the healers in general was was really powerful, and I think that when uh, you're in the presence of of in, in many ways some things that are not of this world you can kind of start believing, well, did that really happen? Did that not really happen? But the fact that we had captured much of it on video or on film was uh, was something that allowed me to relive these experiences and I think in a way process them. You know, if it, just, if it was just a one and done, I don't know if I would have gotten as much uh, wisdom and as much benefit from these healing transmissions as I have. Um, and my bo- the out-of-body experience that you refer to was something that was actually really quite scary and um it took me years to be able to really um process through the the incident but then also now sharing it with an audience um to be able to be okay with that and even to this day sometimes at at the screenings of the film i get a little antsy when that part comes up and sometimes Mm i i leave the room (laughs) well i mean it is a very intimate experience because really in the essence something sort of takes over you and you begin speaking in a different language and you know it wasn't just for a few moments this was for quite a time period throughout the day and you know and memoir is really like that you know we open our heart and we're kind of sharing things that normally stay private so yes you (laughs) you know and, and I think there's probably a lot of healing within that as well to be able to share something so intimate and so you know, an experience that was both terrifying and life-changing with other people. What has the response been? Yeah, I think that that was a real surprise to me because I was pretty hung up on, on including that in the film. And um, interestingly, whenever I've screened it, it's it's been some of the most moving pieces of the film for people. But also um, the audience, even if they weren't into spirituality, were, were really quite accepting of it. And mm-hmm. uh, for some reason I had... Uh, I had so much issue of, I don't know, in a weird way, kind of shame for for not being able to understand it, not having control of my body, not having control of my my words. And when I showed it to audiences and they're so accepting of it, they think, well, that that just happened to you and are you okay? But uh, it's one they're caring because they said, were you okay? And thank God the film you know, kept going and you were okay and that we see you here today and we know you're okay. So the, the concern from the audience is one thing that was really touching to me. But the other is just they were very accepting of it. That's great. I mean, I think it's, you know, every memoirist sort of has that concern with how their work is going to be received, you know, by friends, family, even strangers. So it's really nice to hear that people have had this beautiful reaction to it. What do you think Mm -hmm. was probably the biggest surprise about the entire process with both the film and publishing of the book? You know, um, I had so many uh, wonderful surprises, and it, it took me a long time to to finish the film, 11 years, and it took me seven years to finish the book. Um, some some of it I did simultaneously, and some I did, you know, completed afterward. But I think the most surprising thing is that even though I wanted to quit, the story wouldn't quit me, and, um, mm-hmm. and the promise to the healers that I made to share their stories wouldn't quit me. And so I think that that was probably the most surprising thing is no matter how hopeless I was or how I felt, oh, my, my, my writing sucks or my film, no one's going to care about it. It, it, didn't, it didn't matter. The, the stories themselves kept pushing me along and saying, hey, you know what, we're still here. Get going. <laughs> 
I love that because I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of times when you're writing where you're like, you know, who wants to read this? Who wants to see this? Mm-hmm. And you really Especially memoir, that. right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it it really can take over and make it difficult. But I love the fact that, you know, you say it took 11 years with the film and seven with the book and, and that you kept going because you wanted to honor the people that you had filmed. Some of the healers had passed on. Um, yes. that you had worked with. And it was just, it was a really, I thought it was really lovely to honor them in the film as well. And even at one point, you know, you're, you begin giving uh, a healing to one of the healers. And it was just so, it was a really beautiful moment that I thought was very thank special. You. What yeah, advice? Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. What advice would you offer for aspiring filmmakers and writers wanting to share their stories? You know, I, I think, this sounds really crazy and kind of cliche, but but don't quit, don't don't quit. Because mm-hmm. right now, I think we have such a sense of immediacy of of immediate gratification, or because our, our technology has you know has, has has advanced so much, people think, well, I should be able to do that in a day. I should be able to make my you know my my masterpiece in a day. And when that doesn't happen, or when people don't see it because of the social media too, there's this this expectation of immediate response. You know. Don't do it for the response. Do it for the truth of the story. Just always focus on the story instead of yourself, and I think that's what's going to keep you going. That's great advice. It's really important to honor your truth and and the story. And I think, you know, we've, we've kind of had discussions with many of our guests about platform building and, and worrying about, mm-hmm. you know, sales and things yep. like that. And that can yeah. really trip you up. But, the, I mean, the important part is sharing these stories. And, and like you said in the book, you know, in, when, when you went, people were like, come over and we'll talk story. And I think it's <laughs> yeah. the, sto- the storytellers that really sort of rule the world and keep it going because we need to remember the, all of the stories from our heritage. Did you, I mean, we kind of discussed briefly about, you know, wanting to give up in that, but... Did you ever feel like maybe it wasn't going to happen, that, you know, it was just too much, there was there was so much emotional work and also physical work into putting the Solomon book out? Did you, you know, at one yeah. point just say, forget it, it's not going to happen? At many points, thousands of points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazing how, <clears throat> and in those moments, I, you know, I had so much conviction, I'm, I'm done with this. There, there was a time when I even said, uh, you know, because I, I am prayerful, and I, I said to my guides, look, clearly you picked the wrong person. I'm not getting this done, and it, it needs to be done. Please give it to someone else who can get it done. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it 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 just, every writer, every creative goes through this process, what I call the icky middle place. You know, in the beginning we're all excited. Yay, I'm going to write this or I'm going to make this film. Yeah. And the enthusiasm gets us through, you know, about a tenth of the way. <laughs> and then, you, then you're in the, the, the icky middle place or bardo, and you can't see the end and you can't go back to shore. And those are the moments when you really think about quitting. <clears throat> and it's absolutely the time when you can't. And And so I always say, just keep going, you know, because you really, really can't go back. Even if you think you can go back, you're, you've changed now because you've gotten to the waters. So you're going to go head mm-hmm. back to shore, and you're not going to be the same anyway, so you may as well go forward and, and, and collect the boon that's waiting for you. What was it like when, I mean, you know, you put all this work in and you finally get the very first copy of your book. What was that like for you? Oh, the first copy of my book? Um it was 
very emotional. Um, I wept because there's something about how what you see in your mind's eye becomes material that that I think is is one of the beautiful things about the human experience. And and again, you know, we're, we're if you're on the spiritual path, sometimes people will lean one way or the other. You know, they're anti-material or they're you know, the it's, it, it, pro-spiritual means you're not material. But there is something so beautiful about birthing a dream from the ethers and bringing it here to this reality where we live and having it in physical form. And I felt that way both with my film and my book. Um, but the most beautiful thing was that when I first screened my film, uh, it was at the Byron Bay Film Festival, and uh, I was completely shocked because it was sold out because they had put it in the middle of a, the day on a sunny Saturday. And they <laughs> kind of warned me. I, they said, don't be disappointed. We've had rain forever, and everybody loves surfing. They've been waiting for a beach day, so if no one shows up, don't be hurt. Um, mm-hmm. And so I prepared myself for that, and then I walked in, and there were 250 people, full house, um, which that was wow. kind of intimidating. But after the screen, the most beautiful thing was that there were people sobbing, they were waiting in line. Um, they wanted hugs. They um, some people said, "I'm, you know, I'm speechless. I can't really articulate right now, but I'll, I'll send you something on Facebook." <laughs> <laughs> um, but but what was important to me there was I talked to the healers about being able to put healing transmissions in the film and later in the book. So you know, on one level, oh, these are great stories, and on the other, is it possible to capture healing transmissions and wisdom in media, which is something I believed. It was kind of a theory, and the fact that when it screened, people had that visceral reaction or response um, showed me that, oh, wow, it actually is real. It's real. <laughs> you can <laughs> you can capture love and healing in media and books and in film. And uh, and so for me, that, that's that been the commitment to, to make media as medicine. And um, that's something that I now understand the power of even more. Mm. When the film debuted and you got the feedback, I mean, I kind of, we've spoken about promotion sort of on the show previously. And, you know, Mm -hmm. how did you work towards promoting both the book and the film in your own way, um, separate from? Yeah, so first I I went, I did the film festival circuit for my film. Um, And again, just you submitting to to festivals whose missions you feel in alignment with and then you hope they choose you <laughs> and then mm-hmm. if they choose you if they choose you and you win awards it's completely bonus so all, all that is um but the most important thing was to see these stories come alive in the audience when <clears throat> when they receive the transmissions and begin to own these stories um that's that's the promotion people started telling each other about it they started saying you have to see this film um and then with my book um I do have a publisher <clears throat> who believes in me and um, who's been so fantastic in helping me to get the word out in that's North Atlantic Books in uh, Berkeley, California. And it, it's a very intimate relationship that I have with my publisher. Uh, I had say in the book design. They help me, you know, at events and, and things like that. So um, it's definitely not an easy road, but, you know, if if you want to get your story out there. And then there's social media, which is usually a free platform. So I always encourage people to um, help promote each other. You know, if you believe in in someone and their work, promote them, and they'll promote you. And so, that that this this kind of cross promotion feels authentic. It doesn't feel like, oh, I'm just trying to get people to, you know, I'm trying to manipulate people to buy my book or buy my film. You you want to be able to do it in a way that's authentic for you, no matter what anyone else tells you. 
That's great advice. I think it's so important for us all to work as a community to help and support other authors and filmmakers. And especially when you love a piece of art, you want to share that with everybody so that they can appreciate it just as much. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, there needs to be more of that where we can all share each other's work. And there's, there's a beauty in sharing, too, that something that touched you, you're excited to see someone else's reaction and discuss it with them. And that's, exactly. you know, one of those things that's so exciting about books, right? Yeah. Is there yeah. Anything, anything that you're reading right now that you just love and want to give a little shout-out to? Yeah, it's funny. I just finished reading Tom Robbins' uh, Tibetan Peach Pie, and it, I, I'm going to say it's a memoir-esque. And um, mm-hmm. what I love about it is that he's he's just telling stories about his his life as a writer, as an artist, um, and and how he came upon the the, the crazy ideas he had for his novels. Um, and I really enjoyed that because it, again, it just reminded me that I'm not alone in this journey of of, of self expression and of storytelling, and um, that this idea of being a storyteller is also having to be a good story listener. Um, you can't tell a good story if you're not listening to a good story. Mm. That's a that's so 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 important. <laughs> you learn a, you learn so much by listening, right? Exactly, absolutely. What was some of the the best wisdom you received? What was one of the key points of advice that you got from one of the healers you worked with that really sort of resonated with you and that you continue to carry with you now? You know, it, it what you know. I think I, I was younger at the time, and I was kind of hung up on you know who am I through what I was doing. And they basically said, you know, whether you're scrubbing toilets, or you're writing a book, or you're putting your hands on somebody, anything that you do that is connected to your heart is healing work. So just go do it. Mm. So it doesn't matter what you do, just do it with a whole, full heart. Exactly. Yep. I love that. What was the best advice you ever received about writing? Oh, that <laughs> I, I keep <laughs> thinking about that every day, and it and it's keep writing if you think no one's reading. I think that's mm-hmm. great because I think <laughs> I think I, well, I think what happens a lot of times is when we're creating media, we can oftentimes think about the end product or the audience and. You know, our, our work isn't really, it, it's not to get response, it's to give it. And in many ways, um, they say this about parents, your job isn't to get your kid to love you, your job is to love them. And so as an author, as a filmmaker, our job isn't to get our audience to love us, our job is to p- pass the stories along to them. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that I think pe- we forget because, you know, yeah, me, 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 or especially when you're writing a memoir. <laughs> it's definitely, you know, we're in the we're in the sea of me. Um, but if we don't remember that the point of the sea of me is to be able to support someone else on their journey or to help someone feel not so alone, then we kind of lose the thread. We lose the crumbs to go home. And and the crumbs to go home are just that our story is 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 every woman's story and it's every man's story because the story of humanity belongs to all of us. It's a collective consciousness. And so then it becomes a lot less personal in a way, which sounds strange because you're writing a memoir. But the memoir is about how you're experiencing life here and with other people. I don't know if that made any sense. (laughs) 
It does. It does. Absolutely. Well, Marie Rose, I'm so grateful that you were here with us today. And this was just a beautiful story. The film was fantastic. And I just want to thank you again for being a part of the broadcast. Marie Rose, for having me. Oh, you're so very welcome. Marie Rose Fonley can be found online at MarieRose.com. Want to win a free book and signed copy of the film? Visit me online at CrystalLeeQuibel.com and sign up for my newsletter. As an active subscriber, you'll be automatically entered to win free books every week and get the latest updates on my latest classes and workshops. Join us next week as we spill speak with Bill Gladstone, author, agent, and founder of Waterside Publications. I'm your host, Crystal Lee. Keep writing, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. Instacart for the win.